Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world. With your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today, we're visiting with Dr. Denicia Hilton of Hilton Holistic Health. And Dr. Hilton is an acupuncturist and a doctor of oriental medicine. And Denicia, we are so happy to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you because I know that we share some some passions, and so I know that, you know, as an acupuncturist and a doctor of oriental medicine, you work with a wide variety of, you know, conditions and, and people, uh, you know, pain relief, sports medicine, all these kind of things, but I know that your focus and your passion is sort of like women's reproductive health. Oh, yes. I'm all about the uterus and ovaries. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> well, it's so important, and so many women need help. <laughs> we need support. Yeah. Um, so how did you even kind of get into this? Did you always know that you wanted to go into oriental medicine? I did not. Um, <laughs> definitely did not know that it really even existed <laughs> growing up. Um, I knew that I wanted to support women and children um, as I was actually supposed to go or the plan was to go and become a neonatologist or <laughs> pediatrician. And I was like, okay, we're going to go ahead and go do this. And I got there at school and didn't feel like I had any support. And I just said, mm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I turned around and went into event management, actually. And, oh, wow. Yeah. So the whole other end of the spectrum. It really was. And so um, while I was actually working with that and fundraising, I'm, you know, making money and planning events to support these scientists and researchers and physicians and what they were doing to treat patients. And um, I was like, I'm jealous. I actually want to be the one to treat patients. And so <laughs> as I was actually getting ready to go back into that arena, a friend of mine um, said, hey, there's another way you could treat patients. Are you interested? It's acupuncture oriental medicine. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I was like, first of all, I'm terrified of needles, <laughs> and <laughs> you want me to do what now? And But actually what sold me was the ability to read the messages that the body is giving that we otherwise mm -hmm. don't pay attention to. Um, and so whether that's, like, through tongue diagnosis or pulse diagnosis, face diagnosis, um, it's just, like, there's all these little messages that the body's trying to communicate, and for me, I see myself as a conduit, and so I feel like I'm trained to pay attention to that so that I can mm -hmm. help mirror that back, you know, to my patients so that they understand, like, what's going on and in a way that it inspires and empowers them to start to pay attention to themselves. And it's really great because as they continue to come in, then you see a transformation. And to yeah. have that time and that space – like, unfortunately, you know, with so many people just in the in Western medicine, they have to they've ha have come to now we just have to get it, people in and out, you know, and unfortunately, that's just the system to be able to manage as many people that are coming in seeking for help. Um, yes. But for me, it worked out better where I was able to be able to sit there and watch these transformations over weeks with 
my patients and to have that relationship that I yeah the time the connection yes it's amazing so that is actually how I ended up in it and (laughs) that's amazing I mean it's so true because you know it's funny we were sort of on a similar path because um from the time I was very young you know I was able to say I wanted to be a baby doctor and then you know of course that developed into I'm going to be a pediatrician and for me, what changed my course was uh, a personal health crisis at uh, at 11 to 13. I had migraines every day and um, oh. it was hospitalized and it was kind of insane. But um, at 14, I was introduced to uh, the herb feverfew. And at that time, you know, I had only grown up in a house that, you know, followed sort of conventional allopathic medicine. And I didn't really know that there was another option. Um, so at 14, you know, I kind of had this like, whoa, there's this whole other world out here. And it actually worked. Um, whereas, you know, in the hospital, it almost died from drug reactions a few times. And it was really quite scary to, you know, and kind of came out of the hospital way worse than I went in. So then to be able to take this herb, this natural herb and feel like so much better in a short amount of time was like mind blowing. And so I started exploring like alternative medicine and, and herbs and homeopathy and like all these other things. And I was like the teenager reading prevention magazine instead of (laughs) 17. That's awesome. <laughs> and, yeah, it was so cool. And so then I became a massage therapist and kind of went into that, you know, realm and, and reflexology and acupressure, not acupuncture, and, you know, all these different things. And um, really, that's what kind of started me on an alternative to uh, allopathic medicine. And I'm so glad that I saw that option because, of course, for me, that's what provided healing. Right. Um, but it is about that connection and it is about that time because I think so many, you know, I think conventional medicine has sort of lost its way in that, you know, it's all about symptoms. It's all about band-aids. It's all about, you know, kind of crisis management and not really about building that, that support system, that lifelong connection with a doctor. You know, you don't have your family doctor anymore that stays with generations, you know, and like we've lost that kind of hands on touch and that, alone can be really beneficial to the healing process. Just having someone to listen to you and hold space and recognize that you're going through something that can be really healing too. Yeah. They, and we would talk about that in school too, is there, I have had treatments. I mean, and it, it is a treatment, but like they'll come in and I would have not even touched them, not even put a needle in or anything, but literally just to have the open space with therapeutic enough for them and that is it's extremely important and I know there's been some um, some information coming out more especially as it relates to infant massage about the importance of touch and Mm -hmm. just the difference that it makes and we would talk about you know just simply taking the pulse and that touch is therapeutic like someone's listening and um, paying attention to them or you know you being in massage like I'm sure it's just you can feel it you can feel the tensions kind of like let go the melting the like oh I can relax now and exactly yeah and holding space for someone and having that you know like you talked about the inspiring and the empowerment I think you know, so much of Western medicine is is disempowering. You know, things are happening 
to you. You're not really a, a participant in the process. You're not taking a role, uh, an active role in changing your health. And, and while some of, you know, what you're doing with acupuncture or whatever is, you know, they're sort of passive, but they're, you're interpreting what their body is saying. And, and like you said, mirroring that back so that they can take that information and and do something with it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and it allows the body to to heal itself, to to function as it should. And and that's very true. And I, you know, whereas yes, there's definitely it might start off with a one way communication as far as I'm receiving information. Mm-hmm. Um, and however, it goes right back to them, and it it becomes more active because not only do they need to be compliant and showing up for their appointments. But compliant and taking your herbs, compliant and taking your supplements, um, if I'm seeing a pattern that, you know, there is this habit that they have that is what's, you know, making whatever it is they're coming in for worse, we need to address that. And that is more of a lifestyle thing. So that's more of they'd have to realize, oh, I have to do this or I, I mm-hmm. probably need to manage it this way you know um or this job really might not be serving me because I'm not in a in a in an area that I really want to be in that I'm in alignment with so all of it like that's where the name comes from the holistic is really taking a look at all the different aspects of their life because it all plays a role into how they physically show up yes that's huge because so many things, you know, like, again, we keep comparing Western medicine, and I'm not at all demonizing, you know, allopathic medicine. Right. I think that it has a role, and certainly, you know, I've always said to to my clients that, you know, <laughs> you don't come to me when you're in a massive car wreck or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to put lavender oil on it and, <laughs> yeah. and talk you through it. You know, like, the crisis care is definitely, like, where I think Western medicine shines, but I think as a culture we tend to, like, think of uh, medicine in one way. And I think, you know, the the conventional model and allopathic model has been followed for so long and things are really compartmentalized. You go to a specialist for this and a specialist for that. So what's going on in your stomach is different than what's going on in your brain. And we know now that There's these are connection. intimately connected. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. yes. You can't address one without the other. And so you know, that holistic mindset doesn't mean that, you know, so many people hear holistic and they think woo-woo, you know, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> exactly. but it's, yeah, but it's really about the whole picture and looking at your body as a functioning system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, it's huge, you know, looking at the whole person and not just what's going on with the body, but what's going on in their lifestyle, what's going on with their relationships, what's going on with, you know, just their environment, because that influences our health so much. Oh, yeah. And they, yeah. it's, it's, it's mind blowing that they even want to know, like they even feel like somebody wants to know because mm-hmm. they're like, you're asking, you want to know, like really? And yeah. you say, yeah, I, I do. Um, <laughs> so, and I love, I want to listen to you. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. and you do those initial intakes and you start, I, I actually tell them there might be some questions that seem like they are unrelated as to your primary <laughs> goal, but trust me, they are. And so, yeah. Like, just, yeah. My questionnaire is a lot the same. People are like, what, what is, this have to do with nutritional therapy and it's like trust me we're gonna get there but you know the the areas that you work with like pain relief you know reproductive health like these traditionally are areas that sometimes can be swept under the rug like I know for me like experiencing fibromyalgia and a lot of the chronic pain I had in migraines and just every day I was in pain and I would go to the doctor 
you know, I was sort of told, like, it was all in my head. You know, that was the thing. It's like, I mean, it's almost that old-fashioned, like, you're a hysterical woman, you know, and it was like, uh, here's an antidepressant or here's whatever or go see a therapist. or And I'm like, you know, yes, I am depressed because I'm in pain. constant pain. Right. How could I not be? But, you know, obviously something physically is wrong. And now, you know, of course, on the other side of it, I see all the massive, like, hormonal stuff that was going on in the food allergies and, you know, liver congestion and all this junk that was, like, really going on. But they didn't have just, like, the test, you know, like, the blood test that was like, oh, here you go. Here's exactly what was wrong. And I would even get blood tests and they would say, oh, you're totally fine, which I think is, like, the worst <laughs> It's the best news and the worst news because it's like, well, I'm obviously not totally fine, yeah. uh, but I'm glad I'm not having like a massive, you know, whatever going to die tomorrow. But, you know, that, you know, not only with pain, but with female complaints, a lot of times we go to the OBGYN or whatever, and it's just sort of swept maybe under the rug or like the only options they would have because I had painful periods. I had heavy periods. I had, you know, sorry, guys, full disclosure, this is going to be a woman's chat, but it was... <laughs> But it was, like, really horrible, and I was dealing with infertility. I'd had a lot of pregnancy loss. You know, and really all they wanted to do was stick me on the pill um, or, you know, try to, to initiate, you know, Clomid, start some fertility treatments. And, in fact, at one point we did do some progestin, you know, the synthetic progesterone, and uh, I hemorrhaged so badly I almost died, like, in my in my shower. Uh, and had to go for an emergency DNC and all this. And that was with three doses. So a lot of times it's either n treated as not a problem or it's aggressively treated in a way that is so unnatural and, so, you know, causes more problems. Mm -hmm. You can make such an impact with oriental medicine, with acupuncture. Like, it, it's incredible how many other options there are. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm, I'm on a mission <laughs> to talk about those options because, yes, that, I mean, your story, oh, my gosh. Like, I can, I, I, my heart goes out to you. I really feel for you on that. And I have heard that story. I've read that story in similar fashion. Um, some just crazy, you know, passing out or needing blood transfusions or this. And, um, it's really unfortunate. Um, and I, it, that's what I feel like what's happened is just like what you said that it's, oh, you're, you're supposed to. It's like ingrained, I guess, in, in whatever training in their training is that, well, yeah, they're supposed to have these cramps. You're going to get them coming and complaining about it all the time. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a message. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not supposed to really be happening, you know? So, um, and then the only way is really to just, yeah, like you said, give out, issue out the birth control pills and then mm -hmm. switch them up, you know? Oh, maybe not that one, but then go to this one. How about the patch? Then, oh, let's do this injection. Like, okay. Right. Or how about an that? IUD? Or how about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And it's, that's scary. Yeah. That is really scary stuff. Yes. And I mean, it's heavy. Like, I mean, yeah. we, the way our bodies like trying to process it, it's extremely heavy. And um, I actually just posted, an article this week um, talking about that, like the pill and then how these periods are not really periods, you know, mm -hmm. because they're not. Just withdrawal bleeds, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but like, what is that really doing? And um, I say fortunately, and fortunately, 
and unfortunately at the cost of um you know people like you that this has happened i had my own I, I totally believe that a birth control patch is what led me to have a tumor, breast tumor myself. So like um, at a really young age. So it's kind of like, yeah, we're at we're paying the cost for these these research studies that are coming out saying, well, this actually is not very good for you. And <laughs> right. Which how we ever got to the point where we thought that it was is kind of mind boggling, like where we ever went to think to where we ever went through the studies and, and, and in our thinking, like how we got to the point where we think, oh, yeah, adding in all these like artificial like hormones and, and synthetic substances and implanting like metal in people's uteruses. And it's like, that'll be great. Yeah. And I think it's crazy because, you know, that's such a divorced understanding of how the body works and you know, I mean, I, I read something last week that, you know, I guess I knew, but it really drove it home was that there is not a single day in a in a month that a woman's hormones are exactly the same. There's oh. not like, oh, no, no, I mean, no. it's such a concert. It's such a <laughs> symphony. There's such an orchestration going on. I mean, it all sounds like a big musical production and it really kind of sucks. But, you know, it's like it's just such a fine tuned thing. Um, that these, like you said, are really heavy. This is a very aggressive way to react to something that needs a little finessing and really a lot of times needs things um, removed out of the way, mm-hmm. like the noise, like the food allergies and the, you know, the, the energy. Inflammation, the sugars. Exactly. And actually you mentioned something when you said that you were talking about the myriad of blood tests that she took and mm-hmm. that is actually why I started um, working with a lab to look at the blood actually inside the cell so mm-hmm. a lot of the times when we do get those lab tests and they come back and you know all of us are you know your physician yourself patients are just left scratching their heads like oh this says that you know everything's actually fine and it usually is because it's a serum based blood test it's only yeah. giving you a quick snapshot whereas the the lab that I use and I incorporate in practice does look inside the cell and it gives us up to a six month history because it is cultured. It's using the white blood cells instead. So their turnover rate is much longer than it is for a red mm-hmm. blood cell. Um, and it is through that process that you're actually able to see like, okay, the CoQ10, I'm really deficient in that. Like, that could be an issue like or my folic acid is really deficient but i've been taking folic acid right. um and if you've got mthfr if you've got it, that mutation and you're taking you know yep. synthetic folic acid like whoa yeah yep. look out for that yeah and so that's exactly like why i love looking at it and um reading it because it gives us that picture like those those pathways won't initiate if you're deficient in something that is supposed to help that process get started. So right. it's like, let's pinpoint, let's find out exactly what you need, <laughs> you know, instead of like throwing in everything to help the body start to process itself. Like right. you don't have to necessarily give the hormone. Well, if the whole process is because you need it, this one cofactor, let's add it. Let this one nutrient, 
let's add it because unfortunately our food is the way that it is right now and it doesn't pack as much a punch as it used to. (laughs) Right. It's so deficient in vitamins and it has been for, you know, 50, 60 years they've known about this and have been talking about, hey, this is an issue. It's actually longer, maybe like 70, 80 years when they started saying like, hey, you know, our soils are so, you know, nutrient depleted, the food is not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't realize that a peach that we eat today is not like our great grandmother would have eaten a peach. Right. You know, pesticides and, and GMOs and all those things aside, just the nutrients that are in the soil available for the the food to grow um it's not there right and so if our body is not getting what it needs um how's it supposed to do that a car can't go without gas right you know right and that's so putting a hormone on it isn't going to fix the problem it sure is not like (laughs) that gasket's (laughs) going to start leaking and (laughs) hoses are going to blow yeah sometimes literally right (laughs) (laughs) bad yeah (laughs) So I think it's really important because there are significant, you know, improvements that can be made uh, for women. And, you know, like I said, our our reproductive health is so complicated. These hormones are so complicated and intricate. It really does take digging deep and and figuring out what's really going on in your situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is. I mean, I go down that rabbit hole. I'm like, wait, 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 where did I start? (laughs) Right. Backtrack. I feel like I should have left breadcrumbs or something. Yeah, seriously. I know. Yeah, that's how I get in my practice too. Like we're so deep into. I mean, we were talking about like you know, okay, when you were born, were you vaginally birthed or was it a C-section? Like were you breastfed? And they're like, how does this have to do with my digestion? It's like, trust me, we're gonna get there. Like we're talking about probiotics, right? You know, we get all in through that, and it's it does take digging back to find out what's really going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I love talking about birth histories. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, I think, too, there's so much um, misinformation and and really lack of communication around girls, you know, young women starting their cycle. Mm -hmm. That is part of my mission (laughs) to go out there and educate. It's like a two-pronged approach, really, because Mm -hmm. you'd have to get to the moms because it's their daughters. And then um, if it's through like Girl Scouts or something like that. That's how you get a direct access to the daughters. Um, and the thing is, is like if you're if you're a mom and you're used to having painful cycles and that's what you're used to, um, and then therefore when she starts to menstruate, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's gonna happen. Take some ibuprofen. Um, maybe we can get you on some birth control to help manage it. That's the cycle that happens and and that's what we have to break exactly and um and the communication and especially open communication about um periods is definitely opening up a lot and through various mediums um on social media and whatnot as well but yeah the education has to start and just knowing exactly what is a normal cycle not what we have accepted as being normal Mm -hmm. Um, right. The normalization of sickness, of pain, of of dysfunction. Right. What a natural, normal, healthy cycle looks like. Exactly. And right. so that taking that and then educating and saying, no, it's this. Let's see how many days your cycle is. And, you know, of course, when she starts, 
um, actually starts menstruating, uh, it can take about a year anyway, a year mm-hmm. to two years to even really know what is regular for mm-hmm. her. Um, and so it's kind of like you're in that holding pattern of what's really regular, but you want to make it as comfortable and easy for her as possible. Um, and plus it's something completely new and, who knows what your relationship might be like. She may not even have anyone to talk to. So now mm-hmm. she's left talking to a friend where we know that who knows what information. Right. About. Because it could just be mis- yeah, misinformation that gets spread around and spread around. So, you know, for moms that are listening, you know, they have daughters. And I know, it, you know, periods are starting earlier and earlier. You know, when I was younger, you know, we were kind of in that 11 to 13, you know, sort of range. And now it's kind of like even as young as eight, nine, 10. Yes. And it's so, so scary. Mom, <laughs> that is so scary. Even, even with, you know, organic foods and stuff, like we know that the conventional stuff has a lot of hormones and we know that there's a lot of hormones, you know, the xenoestrogens and plastics and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of endocrine disruptors that could be to blame. But, you know, for moms that are, you know, parenting daughters of this age, you know, maybe, like we said, maybe starting as young as eight, when do they need to start, like, having these conversations, and and how can they start addressing these things with their daughters? I think the first conversation needs to be had with oneself. Okay. Um, Right. Because if, if you're not comfortable talking about it, then that comes off and Mm -hmm. creates an awkward scenario, right? So it's one of those where I encourage, um, I definitely encourage moms. And you know what? I will even say dads because there are some single fathers out there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But just finding the resources, proper resources to become comfortable to talk about it, to say period, to say uterus, (laughs) ovary, you know. Um, And then get to that point. And I would even start like I would because of how young, you know, that it's showing up at initial cycles showing up. I would probably even go as young as seven. I know that a big cue um, that tends to start you thinking about it is when those secondary sex characteristics pop up. So okay. whether, you know, the breast buds start showing or start getting the body hair, underarm hair. Mm-hmm. So that might be a trigger then like to say mom's okay time to start really yeah like thinking about it (laughs) we might need to talk about this and just go and have like a grown-up conversation about it um I wouldn't use flowery words you know because that can just add to confusion especially Mm -hmm. if you have to have the conversation at a younger age Mm um and so just really being there and you have to pay attention and like just feed, look at her and feed off of what she's, if she's looking confused or looking withdrawn, you know, like kind of educating on that. And we have to, depending on households, as far as what is used in the household, we do absorb so many toxins through other ways than food. Mm-hmm. So um the plastics and the BPA and the lining and cans exactly. like that. Yeah. And even when it comes to our high our menstrual hygiene products. Mm-hmm. So if you recognize that there might be a sensitivity to possibly the chlorine that's in the pads and I would I personally I feel like 
going pads is the way to go. I know that tampons tend to be a little bit more convenient or um, some say like, at least it doesn't feel like there's a diaper or anything like that. But like, I just think that we've come, there's just too many options out there when it comes to pads right now to, yeah. to further, if she's already starting, there's already so many things going on. So to kind of add on top of it, the chemical from, <laughs> and remember how old she is. So they're always forgetting their book bags. They're forgetting their homework. They're forgetting right. this. I forgot <laughs> I had this project due. So now you want to have her forget that she left a tampon in. Mm, scary. So, yeah. So it's one of those, like, really take into consideration that because leaving the tampon in could be some serious consequences with teeth. Right. So wear a pad you're going to see and you're going to, well, and like you said, there's so many options now. I know that there's menstrual cups and all that, but that's complicated for women sometimes to <laughs> try to, to get going. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but, like, you know, there's so many options for toxin-free menstrual care that I think that that's a great you know a great point to maybe start with pads and and get comfortable with that and that's very accessible to a lot of people and it, it it's easier I think sometimes to start there and then talk about other things because I know when I started I was kind of like where does this go like you want me to do what yeah sitting there yeah. we were just talking about that actually a group of my three sisters and just like how we sat there with the huge pamphlet of instructions trying to figure out like <laughs> what what do we do and then I was just like why is this pamphlet so big like and then it made me think it's so big there's so many words on here and there's such a huge section for caution right well and as they've been testing you know they've been finding glyphosate in different tampons and different you know like getting like you said I love the idea of mom kind of getting her head right you know or dad if and I think it's great to bring up dad because you know I think boys and men need to know a bit about what's going on and how to support uh, the women in their lives with this you know I know for me my husband and bless his heart has been through the ringer with understanding fully you know how this works and I do remember when I was having that you know emergency of course he's right there with me and yeah you know, I remember my mom saying to him in the hospital, like, I really hate to ask you questions about this. And he was like, whatever. Like, I've seen it all. I've done it all now. So let's just have the open conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's great. That's been very supportive for me because obviously this isn't anything I'd want to hide or try to take on on my own or whatever. And so especially like as a young girl, I can't imagine having to face that alone. Oh, definitely. And there's um like... They're actually, speak of young ones, the J Initiative in Africa, they, in their program that they have for education, they actually include the boys. So whereas a lot of programming now might separate the girls from the boys and then they discuss mm -hmm. their individual um characteristics sexual characteristics that would end up happening and what to look for they actually mm -hmm. do it together and so they end up educating the boys on the menstrual cycle and whatnot which i thought was amazing yeah. um and the other thing that i that i thought about was i actually had a guest interview um with a husband and i because i wanted his perspective his wife had been dealing with fibroids and i mean massive fibroids and huge number of them too and the fertility that infertility that came along with it and mm -hmm. to get his perspective on it and he's like yeah before her 
you know, pretty much about dying, um, we didn't really talk about it. And, so, you know, and it's like, whoa, if, if I'm dating somebody, I'm for sure going to be talking about it. And you best believe you got to be comfortable with me saying ovulation or. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's a significant stuff. thing. You know, it's not just this little insignificant thing that happens to us every month. It's a big deal. And it is like we talked about before, not having the same hormonal profile every day. Obviously, this is affecting our mood and performance and our life and everything, you know, so you really need to be able to be a supportive partner, male or female, need to be able to be a supportive partner as someone you care about is going through this. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, or parent or whatever. Um, I think, you know, one of my friends was mentioning a book. Her daughter is about eight, and she said there's a book called The Care and Keeping of You. Huh. Um, it's a body book for younger girls. It's a series. So there's one book that's for younger girls, and then there's a second book for when they're a little bit older, and I think it kind of goes over some of these things. And then not by the same authors, but there's another bo a book for boys, and it's called The Boy's Body Book. Again, for anybody listening, I'm going to put links to all this on the show notes. So at Real Food wholehealth.com under podcast under episodes just click on this week's episode and you'll find all the links to everything we're talking about and links to Dr. Hilton's website and ways to get in touch with her you know it does it does seem like there's some resources out there for parents that you know need to kind of like brush up on things for themselves before they go and have that conversation because I do agree like having that poise in the conversation as a parent and just sort of showing up and being like you know, not having all that weirdness about it yes. <laughs> is going to translate. Yeah, it's going to translate to um, the the daughter feeling a lot more together okay. about it. Oh, yeah. And you're going to yeah. empower her more herself because then she yeah. won't really feel like she has to sneak around or, you know, what if she's afraid, like in school something happens and then she doesn't feel like she's comfortable enough about herself to even ask for help in mm -hmm. school. So you're not always going to be able to be around her. So you want to equip her not just with the information about what's going on with herself, but that you're actually instilling confidence. Mm -hmm. and about That she can it. handle these things with her body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I like that a lot. So, and there's actually a uh, – their goal is actually to really – a position and a, a position the moms to be the experts in mm -hmm. their household so that their daughters can go to them and I it just touched me so much because I love it as much as it is that I provide information and as much as it is that I treat it I still want to you know hold that have that space and encourage mom to be that person or grandmother or dad right. to be that person that they can go to and talk to and you know not just me and not just dr right. google dr google can be a little scary sometimes too oh yeah yeah it's so true um but i i mean of course it's very empowering on the internet too because you can get you know answers and and research things and find alternatives but yeah a lot of times you got to have that filter that you can run it through to figure out what's what but right. <laughs> so if these you know if if mom or dad or whoever has had we keep saying mom but whatever role model that's going to be helping here you know is in place but if this conversation happens and and your daughter starts her cycle and she is having some issues again like you said knowing that it takes a year to two for everything to kind of get settled out do you have any like 
tips that they can do on, you know, maybe they don't live near you and can't come see you, but, you know, is there anything that they can have on hand that's not the ibuprofen and not the kind of standard stuff to, like, troubleshoot? Yeah, um, I would, heating pads become, like, a huge best friend um <laughs> and yeah, i would keep my hot water bottle for sure <laughs> yes. um say so that would be a big one um also you know it depends on and this is it i'm glad you asked the question this way to troubleshoot because um because each person is different like so how they manifest in their cycle is going to be different so for some like having some fresh ginger tea might actually mm-hmm. be uh, a great resolution for the cream. So just like grating the ginger root into some hot water, letting it sit like five to ten minutes. Exactly. And sweeten maybe with a little honey or. Yeah, try it. Okay. I, I would say try it without the honey if you can. Mm-hmm. But if you do need to, just a touch and make sure that it's even local honey. Um, mm-hmm. So then at least you'll get the added benefits to help you with any allergies. <laughs> I love fresh ginger tea. You know, that's something we use on the GAPS diet and other gut, gut healing diets is, is the fresh ginger tea. And it's it's on its own without the honey. It's so spicy and warming and just yeah. really, like, comforting. It's like your spleen and your spleen loves it. Yes. It's oh, good. <laughs> the spleen energy just loves it because it helps keep it warm so that as you have a warm spleen, you can further digest instead of, like, introducing so many cold foods and mm-hmm. beverages so like that ginger really helps with that um I love and that. I would even say cause sometimes like, people are like well how much if you do like if you look at your thumb and about that first knuckle going towards mm-hmm. the end of the nail bed that's usually what I measure it um for those who are just starting out with ginger to maybe do half of right. the thumb and then kind of work your way um especially if kids are not used to that pungent flavor mm-hmm. of the ginger. Spiciness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about an inch and then maybe about a half an inch if you're just starting out. Yeah. Of that fresh ginger root. And this is something that you can get at a lot of stores. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen it a lot of places. Uh, you know, Whole Foods definitely almost always has it stocked. And it's kind of a funny looking thing. It's kind of knobby <laughs> and rooty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It does look like fingers. It's kind of papery skin. And uh, I don't really peel it when I put it in there. I just kind of do the vegetable peeler and throw it in. I don't really worry about the papery skin when I'm using it for uh, tea. Is that how you do it as well? I I peel mine. Um, uh-huh. And I, I don't know why I just do it. I just peel it. But now you make mm-hmm. me want to try it without peeling it and see what the difference makes. <laughs> if I use it in a stir fry or something like that, if I'm actually just using the ginger and I'm going to be eating the ginger, then I do peel it. Yeah, but if I'm just doing a tea, sometimes I'll just slice it or I'll just uh, take the vegetable peeler after it and just, like, do the little shreds. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. the ones, That's probably. Right. Yeah, it probably works yeah. either way. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, another thing might be if if you can get access to a Western herb might be cramp bark. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Um, and even motherwort as a tincture. Um, and with the tincture forms, then you can actually drop those into some warm water and it'll help burn off the alcohol that the mm-hmm. herb would have been infused in. Um, once again, if you want to look at quality. You want to look at where the herbs came from um, to make sure, like, you know, that they're wherever they were farmed, 
that it's GMP regulated and that as if you can get it organic, you can get it organic um, because all of that stuff does infuse into the herbs just like it does into our foods. Yeah. So um, if you okay, so uh, just like what we're talking about for those that don't know, not to interrupt you, but a tincture is, yeah, it's an herb that's been kind of like steeped in alcohol. Um, sometimes they'll make glycerin tinctures, but alcohol is the most traditional and, and the most potent. And this is when an herb is, is steeped in this alcohol and it actually like leaches out all the properties so that you can then take it. And usually it's sold in a glass bottle. It's got a dropper on the top and uh, like, you know, Dr. Hilton said, you can, you really want to look at the quality here. So, you know, mountain rose herbs is one of my go-tos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm ordering online, certainly, uh, you know, most health food stores like a natural grocers or a whole foods or a local health food store, they'll usually have someone there to point you in the right direction. But I know like Gaia herbs and, um, there's a lot of really good herbal brands mm-hmm. out there. Um, but yeah, just making sure you're getting a good quality. And then if you take those droppers, you know, the dropper and put the drops of the liquid into some warm water that will evaporate some of the alcohol. So it doesn't taste as harsh and it's easier to take. Um, so that's kind of what we're talking about there. So cramp bark and motherwort are kind of good ones um, and probably pretty accessible, pretty easy to find. Yeah, you would think um, that you can. Cramp bark, I think, more than motherwort might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like I – because for myself and then also if whenever I send some patients out to go get it, if I don't have it, um, I tell them, like, try to look for it where it's 100%. Because okay. sometimes when we get into the those major retailers, we have to mm-hmm. think that they are major retailers. So they have to have this at how many stores? And therefore, the quality um, the quality of the original herb would be there, but they would have added other things into it so that okay. they can stretch it out. So, like, you want to look actually at the ingredients and make sure it says ingredient, motherwort. <laughs> You know, and not the other, like, synthetics that might be added to kind of be a filler. Okay. Um, I mean, and similar to oil. So, like, clary sage might be an essential oil that you Mm -hmm. can use and dilute that with the carrier oil, um, such as sweet almond oil or you can use – some use like to use coconut oil as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But, like, clary sage, I mean, that can easily be – um, tampered with by, by the addition of synthetics and preservatives in the oil. So okay. like you really, really want to make sure it's pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use Young Living usually, and I use, like, Clary Sage I love. They have Indoflex, which is great for supporting natural endocrine health. They have um, Dragon Time, different ones that are, you know, specifically for women's cycles. And I know that those are, you know, pure, but... There's other ones on the market, too, that are 100% pure, but it's really making sure that they're the real essential oil. <laughs> right, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I, I get that we're always making that decision of how much do we want to spend on this, how much do we want to spend on that, and um, an oil might seem like it's expensive um, at first, but that's because there's so many drops. You're only using drops mm-hmm. of it. You're not, like, pouring it out like olive oil like you're about to cook. So right. um, it'll last. <laughs> nope, don't want to do that. Yeah. So it'll last you a long time. Mm-hmm. And to and how I like to put it into perspective, especially when it comes to herbs and supplements, is that, okay, we're going to spend this right now, 
um, because we don't want to spend a uh, deductible at a hospital stay and uh, for blood transfusions and for specialization, specialty fees and hospital stays and whatever. Like, yeah. so it's kind it's of like, like we say in real food, you can pay the farmer, you can pay the doctor later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you need to pay, yeah. pay the doctor later. Like, so it, that's one way to kind of like put it into perspective that like we're really working here with what we have and mm-hmm. um, working as prophylactically or preventatively as possible so that you won't really have those exorbitant costs associated with um, anything that would come down in the future. Yeah. And like you said, you're going to use a drop or two at a time. You're going to dilute it. So, you know, any of the avocado oil, olive oil, I've even used, yeah, just olive oil right out of the yeah the kitchen cabinet when I needed something. But jojoba, and I mean, there's so many, but the, the big deal is to dilute so that you can use it safely because obviously essential oils are very concentrated and to spread it on a on a bigger part of your body, like, you know, across your um, abdomen or putting it on the points around your ankle bone where the, you know, the uterus points. Yes. And you can, um, you can even put them on the back as well. Mm-hmm. And, okay. Low back. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. you can mirror the lower body on the inside of the hands, like as you're going towards the middle. So it's like, it's in the middle before you get to the wrist crease. Mm-hmm. So kind of like right down in there in the middle is like our lower abdomen area. Okay, great. For, like, hand mirroring. Um, So that, you know, that's there. Another one is actually a self-massage. But Indige Mama, um, she actually teaches a self-massage. So you'll actually kind of get to know and feel, like, where the uterus and the ovaries are. And Mm -hmm. by doing that massage, it actually will help increase the blood flow and almost manually help the uterus kind of do job of getting rid of that lining so okay that's cool so doing an abdomen massage but Mm -hmm. you know technically uh not technically doing an abdomen massage but you know um aiming towards you know where the uterus would be so learning you know where that's located in your body you know maybe using one of those essential oils yes exactly yeah yeah and then applying you know your hot water bottle or your heating pad afterwards like that's gosh how comforting like do that (laughs) curl up with your ginger tea like yeah and there's that's supporting on every level (laughs) and i actually have there's another one that it seems like the complete opposite because it is, <laughs> but um, for some, so like we said, you can introduce something and see if it works, and then it, mm-hmm. some it may not because those properties of those herbs are different. So like some might be more of a chi mover, some might be more of a blood mover, um, and so one might be warmer than the other. So like you're you're gonna kind of know and get an idea of the type of cycle that you're having. But even then, exercising actually mm-hmm. can help some. So the movement, yeah. So whether that be like a yoga um, or a walk, you want to do something gentle, not so strenuous. Um, and not the time to do your kickboxing, probably. It, right, right. <laughs> That's not the time. <laughs> you can actually just take it easy and um, just kind of go and do that. And I know it, it gets hard to start out that way. Like, oh, I don't want to move. I don't want to move. But, like, once you get started, it'll just kind of help move okay. everything along. 
great. And now for women that are having really heavy cycles, you know, and worrying about, you know, blood loss and anemia and things like that, obviously when I talk to them about nutrition, you know, we're making sure to include plenty of grass-fed, you know, beef and, and liver and things like that. But, you know, herbs and things like that can help there as well, right? Like yellow dock and. Yeah. And I, I tend to, as I'm, as I build blood, like I tend to go, um, a, a lot more in the Chinese herb realm, mm-hmm. along with some nutrition, like with the company that I use. Um, but it, yeah, I use more of like some known as Dong Kwai. It's mm-hmm. like Dong Kwai in Chinese opinion. Um, and, but mixing that even then with some chi tonics as well. And there's some heavy yen and blood tonics that would really work in just kind of building up the blood. When you're dealing with those heavier herbs like that, um, they do tend to be greasy. They can actually slow down the digestion. So this is all the more reason why I incorporate the nutritional supplements Mm -hmm. so that it helps our digestive system so that it helps the herbs work even faster. Okay, so that's great. So incorporating some beetroot and things like that to, like, thin the bile and... Mm -hmm. That would yeah. be really great to incorporate with it. Um, and I love greens, adding, like, some greens to the diet. And the eggs, runnier the better. Okay. Um, can help build blood as well. And then just make sure, you know, that they're free-range um, chickens and that they're actually eating, like, off of the ground because yeah. it's... Yeah, you want the bugs. Yeah. Yeah, you want that nutrition... <laughs> Yeah, you won't. You don't want the bugs, but the chickens want the bugs. They really do. And <laughs> they really do. Yes. And the um heavy with the heavy bleeding, like, you know, you just really wanna pay attention to um even like the color of it. Mm-hmm. And so if it's darker, that gives you a little hint and even it, like, you know, you could go see an acupuncturist that might be in your area and whatnot too, but um just to kind of like pay attention to that. If there's any heat, if it started sooner, um, if you, you really are cold, um, I don't know if you if you've heard of it, but like I recommend for certain types, um, being very specific about this, for certain types of menstrual cycles to get vaginal steaming done as well. I was just gonna ask you what you thought about that. Yeah, like the yeah, it it is helpful for what more for that colder uterus type. Okay, um, so explain what we're talking about because people are going, excuse me. <laughs> so, yes, I did say we're steaming the vagina. <laughs> uh, the yoni steam. Yes. And they, um, it's actually a process that did come, it, nobody really knows where it started because there's yeah. just so many indigenous um, cultures that incorporate it in their, um, in their self-care. But it's a process of actually taking some herbs and you would be steaming those like you they would steep in a pot and then you would sit over this pot and then allow the essences of those herbs to actually go into the steam and then it rises up into the vagina and then goes up even further. The whole process can actually be a a really long time. Like um, I know that there are some home kits that people try to sell and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is when that happens, we were like, it doesn't work. Um, and, and it's because you took a pot and put it in a toilet. So you had mm-hmm. to place to sit and now you're in this cold water and porcelain. So it really needs to stay warm and um, okay. be simmering for a while. I 
I personally recommend and I refer out to a practitioner that's local to me that does it on site. So, um, and there are other places that have people that do it. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's done in a modest way. It's not right. like you're just flashing everybody. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you, there, therefore it's a simmering pot. It's a simmering pot. And then you sit upon your throne. I call it a throne because this is your time to yourself. Um, and those herbs are in there. And the herbal blends, they tend to vary. Um, and you would end up having a conversation describing your cycle and just kind of making. So they can pick the herbs. Mm-hmm. That would be the ones that would be appropriate for you. And they are used to help with um, cramping, helping with fibroids, helping with endometriosis pain, um, even for infertility as well. It's, mm-hmm. And I highly encourage it for postpartum. Um, Mm, a little healing, a little soothing. Exactly. And to kind of like really help and encourage that everything that needed to be cleaned out from the uterus Mm -hmm. is indeed cleaned out. So, um, I did it. And while this sounds a little weird, like (laughs) what? Right. Okay. We have to look at like so many indigenous cultures really did this. This is a traditional practice. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the anecdotal evidence that's coming out from women that are doing this is, is pretty incredible. I mean, there's some really great, you know, benefits that people are experiencing. I do agree with you that like that doing it properly, you know, I can absolutely see why if you take this, you know, bowl and you put it in your toilet, which is cold and porcelain and it's going to cool off quickly. Like you're not really getting the same effect as if it's a longer, you know, treatment. And I think you're supposed to keep your lower half covered, warm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Covered during that time. So if you're just like sitting on the toilet, like your legs are going to get cold and all that, you're not really getting the same benefit. Um, but you know, if we can think, you know, akin to when we have a sinus infection, our, our sinuses are all stopped up. And what do we do? We we do the steam. We turn on the humidifier. We take a hot shower. We put some herbs in there. You know, there's all these things. Like I have a a, a facial steamer that I'll um, I don't get sinus infections very often, but what I do, I'll do a steam either with a little herb or a little essential oil, and I'll you know put my head under the towel and really just let it cleanse out the sinuses. This is a similar <laughs> process. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's just, just a yoni steam. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and I know some people are like, how long am I sitting there? You're actually, even then, um, I know that with the sinus steams, it's a little bit faster, but for mm-hmm. this process, because you're going up a little bit deeper, right, than right. what's right there. Right. So, and up your nose. <laughs> yeah. So, and you're going to be there for like 45 two minutes to an hour and then even afterwards don't plan on doing anything because you want to actually be lying down you want to actually like absorb and let it all process and um common questions that get asked you do not go during your cycle okay um and you want to wait about six weeks postpartum if that's when you decide to go Mm um and uh, it can be a monthly thing for some, but it's not necessarily true for everyone. So okay. someone may start out like once a month for like two months, maybe even three. Um, but then you don't even have to go back anymore because you've gotten so much relief. Like that was my okay. story was I went one time and was great. Like everything's all good. I go just for maintenance. Yeah, maybe seasonally or something. Yeah, or even like six months to a year, Mm -hmm. just as like a a regeneration kind of thing. But um, other than that, it's so in some 
do it if they want to incorporate it as part of more of a spiritual thing then they'll they'll do it that way uh, more often but it's not necessarily because of a like I'm correcting I'm wanting to seek to correct this part of you know so and you said it's good for certain types like more of a cold uterus then obviously I can see where you know if something's cold right Mm -hmm. constricted you want to add this open, expansive, warming, moist steam. Right. If something's hot, inflamed, you know, uh, angered, you don't want to add the heat, the steam to that. No. So talk to us a little bit about that difference, because I understand just a, a, a bit about oriental medicine and those properties, but some people don't quite know what we're talking about. Right. So um, it's, you explained it beautifully so far, actually. And um, to go a little bit deeper, the types of cycles that are tend to be associated with more of a colder uterus um, might be the ones that are extremely painful and mm-hmm. it's like no amount of heat like you can apply heat and it might work but then you're like this is just not enough and then you need more um, okay. there's also with a colder uterus sometimes they tend to last a little bit longer okay um, in the hot ones those are the ones that tend to start sooner so if okay. you think about like you build up some heat inside and the heat has to be released and the body can no longer contain it and so therefore you start having your cycle at like day 20 21 22 Mm -hmm. um and it tends to be like bright red it can be profuse like um a little bit of a volcano mm -hmm, pretty much starting early your body's like okay get it out yeah and it um sometimes it might even have an odor to it because it's just like it's just so much heat going on whereas a colder one won't really have any type of odor at all and um, sometimes can actually be less of a flow Um, now some would have a cold uterus and might have a heavier flow Mm-hmm. Um, would they have a lot of maybe blood clots and I things was at that? just about to say that yeah they're they would end up <laughs> on the same wavelength yep for sure definitely the clotting would happen um and it might even be darker in color okay. which would indicate maybe older stuff stuff mm-hmm. that's set there a little longer not that bright fresh red blood right and it's just not coming out like it's mm-hmm. it's the cramping is because the uterus is just working so hard trying to like trying to get, get it out. out and it's just not happening. I told you we were getting real ladies. <laughs> I told you it's important. We have to talk about this stuff. Like we oh, have yeah. to know because you know, people are dealing with this stuff. It's happening and, and they're suffering and, and they don't need to be. There's ways to uh, address this and there's signs that our body's giving us in these monthly flows. Like this is a very important uh, indicator of our health. It's a very big part of our life and our health. And, uh, you know, I mean, our cycle is supposed to be a very natural part of what we're experiencing. And because everybody's health is pretty much compromised these days and the environment is is compromised you know a lot of people are not having these natural normal cycles and so we need to like denicia said she's on a mission to (laughs) to get our cycles going again you know and get things important it's really important because to move that stuff out of our body uh is is important so if it's staying in there if it's not moving out like it should if our uterus is having to work too hard um, that's hard on our bodies. Mm-hmm. It's just a, very depleting. Yeah, and you don't want that. I mean, it is a time for like for 
to, for me, and I encourage others to kind of think about it in this way. Um, it's, it's almost like it's a gift, you know, because you have this way to renew yourself every month. And, um, it's helping to just get rid of this old gunk and toxins and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. you want to allow that, like, kind of come to, come to terms with it and just like prepare yourself for it by nourishing yourself in the proper way, whether it is with herbs and nutrition and just, um, and as a byproduct, the cycle gets better. I love that mindset of the gift because so many people call it the curse. Yeah. (laughs) And I think when we go into it expecting things to be awful and bad and, you know, oh, this is something I must suffer and whatever, that is not a very empowering or nourishing mindset. So if we can think about it as a gift and a renewal and part of our natural cycle and our natural beingness of a woman, um, that's a much more empowering, powerful mindset. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once you shift it, I mean, it it goes along with what they do with biofeedback and mindfulness now. Like, I mean, people who are in pain, they're controlling their pain by their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, by shifting your mindset and shifting your thought pattern associated, it helps more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Just equipping ourselves with our our tools. (laughs) Exactly. And if you are having issues and you do think of it as the curse, you know, like a, let's let's change the mindset and then let's figure out what we need to, to get it going in the right way. And so we've talked about herbs a bit, but with acupuncture, we are actually changing the flow of energy in the body, right? Mm-hmm. Paying attention to where those energy imbalances are between the organ systems that are involved with the cycle. And so by using acupuncture, you're really helping them to harmonize and to play nicely and so as a byproduct you end up having a healthier smoother cycle um also for uh those that are really interested when it comes down to fertility as well i mean the acupuncture really helps in bringing some extra flow like blood flow to the area of the lower abdomen. And Mm -hmm. so all of that extra flow helps bringing blood, brings oxygen, and it's like it increases your egg health. Um, It it just helps that whole area by using acupuncture needles themselves. And so, therefore, your cycle ends up becoming more regulated um, Mm -hmm. with all of that working together. Because when we're out of balance, there's a mix, and again, this is your area of expertise, not at all mine, but there's a mix of energy, like expansion in places that really aren't supposed to have that much flow, so it's <laughs> too hot. And then there's areas where it's too constricted or too cold, and, and, and that's what you're sort of helping balance out. Is that correct? Yeah, so that, I mean, that can happen, and then sometimes it's just not there. So if there is not that, that nourishing, that cool that we need compared to the heat and the movement mm-hmm. that we need it's not that either one is bad and the other one is good it's just that mm-hmm. they work harmoniously together and so, they need to be balanced exactly and sometimes due to something one might not be holding up its side and so therefore okay. the other one is trying to be its friend and it starts overcompensating and now we have this really bad imbalance here you know we have these hot flashes and Mm -hmm. you start having these night sweats and these night thirsts and and whatnot and so it's like oh no you know it's only trying to be its friend 
and just trying to balance out what is missing from the other, from the partner. So Mm -hmm. now it's like we come in and we say, all right, let's help this partner to support itself. And then meanwhile, the other one says, okay, it's got it. Like my friend's got it. Amy's got it. And I got it. I can back off now. Yeah. And then that's how they start to actually balance each, each other out. And then by like a seesaw. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. Nobody's left up in the air. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because it's always your body's, always going to try to maintain balance like that's what we need to understand like at the foundation of it all body's always going to try to maintain homeostasis and maintain balance and that can manifest as not so uh pleasant experience (laughs) for for us um and sometimes it is um but it is always going to maintain that and out of that that's where you might need outside help to help the body further maintain balance in a proper and optimal way. I love that. I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's a different mindset. And those listening, like if you've been through the conventional medical model and how they view periods and cycles and, and, and these happenings and how in our body, just the way that it interacts and the way that this looks at the holistic view and the, you know, how this is supposed to be in harmony in balance in flow. Like if this area, you know, if this side of the seesaw is up a little too much, we got to, you know, balance it out so that nobody's left in the dark. Like, that's so much more of an empowering, nourishing mindset that makes us understand that this is a natural thing mm-hmm. as opposed to this is a, I don't know, just a separatist and a, just the curse. Yeah. The gift versus the curse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. not, it's really not. I mean, it's, and you know, it's one of those, my, it's unfortunate and I'm sorry when you have that happening and yeah, the bad period. Yeah, yeah. But then that's when it gives you the opportunity to, to see like, Oh gosh, like what else is going on? And yeah. that's just my body's message to me. Right. It's just communicating. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing with any health issue. Like, I hate when people have, you know, headaches or indigestion or any of these problems. And it's like, or they're so exhausted they can barely move in the afternoon or whatever. But it's like, that's just our body's way of giving us messages that something needs to be addressed, that something's not going on. We're in a state of dis-ease and not ease. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much again. I'm going to have all these links on our show notes so people can find you, listen to your podcast, because you are talking about some amazing things on Sisters of Flow. You're really getting into, you know, your missions, all about, you know, healthy, happy periods and, and, you know, dealing with endometriosis, dealing with, you know, all of these issues that come up that people might be facing and and solutions for them to take action. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And then it's not even just about that, the health stuff too. So, I mean, we're looking at culturally, how are we attacking this? And Mm. politically, how are we attacking this? You know, it just, Mm -hmm. just came out, I think New York um, and one other state just got rid of the tampon tax. Like it's, it's like, yay. I didn't even know there was a tampon tax. Oh my God. Yeah. There are actually (laughs) so many states that it's, um, we are taxed on our feminine hygiene products as luxury items. So it falls under that category, and um, it's like, like, are you kidding me? And right. you hear the stories that some can't even afford the feminine hygiene products at all, and then we're taxed under that. However, soda and candy are not because they're they're deemed as necessary <laughs> items, and therefore they don't 
charge tax for it. So. Oh my, that's crazy. Yeah, see, yeah. I didn't even know that was going on. I mean, I, uh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so we, so I love that you're addressing. We, yeah, we literally it's like talk about so many aspects of the cycle that like affect the us and the cycle like on the show. So it's really cool. That's amazing. Okay, well again, that's Sisters of Flow. I'm going to have a link on the show notes. The show notes can be found at realfoodwholehealth.com. Under podcast, under episodes, just click the episode and there you go. Denicia, thanks so much for being here today. I so appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. And please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.